The Bear Down Report Podcast, featuring Mike Page, Logan Brand, Jack Wright, and Ryan Dangle. Bear Down Report. All right, folks. Welcome to another special edition of the Bear Down Report Podcast. We have an awesome guest, one that I've actually been waiting for uh, since we started this thing. Mike Fitzgerald is the head football coach at York High School. He's a very good friend of mine and thrilled to have him on the show. Mike, thank you so much for being here. No, awesome to be here, Ryan. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to it. Absolutely. So, Mike, before we, uh, before we get started, I just got to give a, a nod out to our sponsor. We're, we are so excited about our sponsor, uh, Jeff Cadwallader. Folks, if you're looking to buy or sell a home in the Chicagoland area, you got to call my guy, Jeff. Jeff is the best. Uh, give him a call, 630-254-4734. Jeff grew up in the business. He's got uh, so much experience. My wife and I were looking for a home, and we had to sell our condo first. We contacted Jeff, and we said, hey, Jeff, what are we going to do? Gave us some pretty specific directions, said do this, fix this, change this, and this is the time we want to do it. Folks, we had four offers. I'm not making this up. This is not a script. We had four offers the night that we sold our condo. We couldn't believe it. Jeff, thank you so much for all you do. Buying or selling a home, you got to give my guy, Jeff, a call. Tell him that the Bear Down Report podcast sent you. He'll appreciate it. 630-254-4734. All right. So, Mike, I want to start with a little bit of your career before you got to York High School. Can you just maybe just walk us through briefly, where'd you play your high school ball? Where'd you play college? And, and how did you end up where you are right now? Yeah, I'm, I'm actually originally from Colorado. I wanted to play small school football. And there's really not a lot of opportunities out in Colorado. So I started looking in the Midwest and actually found Lake Forest College, fell in love with the place, ended up going to school there. Um, and then after I graduated, I was actually an econ undergrad and realized I didn't want to spend, you know, the rest of my life in an office. So and just absolutely fell in love with with coaching from high school, just the coach that I had in high school and then the mentors I had also in college and just love playing the game. So I became a graduate assistant football coach, went up to Carroll University up in Waukesha, Wisconsin for two years, and then I got to come back to Lake Forest College um, for two years as a, a full-time coach, and then at that point, I kind of reevaluated where I was at, and, you know, I, I saw how much moving you have to do with the college thing, and, you know, I really wanted to um, impact lives, and sometimes the college kids have, are a little bit more mature, and they've already kind of had that mentorship, even though you're still making an impact on them, I felt like I could have a greater impact on high school kids. So went back to get my teaching certificate and my good friend, uh, Pat Dunn, got the head job at Marist High School. So went over there um, to kind of rebuild the program and had a, had a great experience there. So, you know, working with your best friend and trying to rebuild something, we had a lot of success there. I was the offensive coordinator for six years at Marist High School. Our second year, we went to the state championship, and then my last season, um, we lost in the, the state semifinals, but went to the playoffs every year, had a great run, and, you know, literally, they hadn't been to the playoffs since, you know, it had been like a 10-year run, a drought without not going to the playoffs, so, you know, six straight years in the playoffs, and it was hard to leave because of how much I care about him and that place, but, you know, I, I really wanted to, to push myself, and and go a little further. So then I got the head job at St. Francis High School in Wheaton and uh, 
kind of just fell into the perfect storm there. My first year, we, we made a terrific run to the, the state semifinals, lost a very good NAS team who ended up winning it, um, but just, you know, great families, great school, really good experience. And then um, I was there for two years and then got the chance to uh, go to public school and, you know, having a young family, that was something I felt like I needed to do at the time and went to Naperville North for two years as the offensive coordinator and then kind of got the itch to, to run my own program again and had the opportunity at York High School in Elmhurst. So uh, this is my third season, uh, still waiting to play the third season. So been a, a wild off season for sure, the longest off season in history, but uh, that's kind of my background and um, just blessed uh, to go on that journey with a lot of great people. So obviously the offensive side of the, the, the ball is your kind of expertise. When you're watching a game, an NFL game, college game, whatever it might be, what are the things that you kind of watch for? What are the things that you, that maybe are a little different than your average fan, so to speak? Yeah, I'm, I'm probably pretty annoying to watch a game with. I mean, I, I have to record every single game. Basically you should see my DVR. Um, you know, my wife is always like, are you really going to watch all these games? And, you know, I really do try and get back to all of them, but a lot of pausing, you know, I always got a notepad and I'm kind of just like translating it in my own language. So, you know, looking at the defensive structure, you know, predicting what defense they're in, you know, looking at the safeties and then, you know, evaluating the personnel group that's on the field for the offense and, and seeing what they run and just constantly thinking in my head, okay, you know, that worked, you know, what can they set up with that, those types of things. And then, trying to relate it to the stuff that I like to do because I'm always looking for ideas and um, you know I write a lot of stuff down I I'll take videos of stuff I have a YouTube channel that I save stuff on I actually create a Twitter handle that I, I store a lot of stuff because my phone memory was getting so clogged up with things so uh, I ended up putting that together and um, but yeah it's I'm probably not a lot of fun to watch it you know I'll watch with friends but then I'll probably go home and watch it again the way I want to watch it where is the strangest place you ever came up with an idea for a play? Were you, were you sitting at a Starbucks or something and just thought, man, I got to get this dude the ball in the flats or, or something along those lines? Yeah, I mean, obviously you get a lot of ideas from TV. Uh, with my commute, I like listening to podcasts. There's some really good podcasts. So, I mean, there's been times where I'll be sitting in the parking lot, you know, and people are going in probably looking at me like, what is this guy doing? And, you know, I, I'm in there writing down something that I think can help our program, you know, whether it's a play, whether it's, you know, philosophy or practice, whatever. Um, so a lot of ideas. I mean, that, that's kind of a hard part. I can't ever get my brain to shut down, which is, I think, a lot of football coaches can relate to that. We're going to talk about the Jacksonville Jaguars, but there are just a few more questions that I have about you and, and all this stuff that's going on. How difficult has 2020 been as a head football coach in the state of Illinois? Yeah, I mean, it's been incredibly difficult. Um, it, one of the craziest scenarios as a coach, you try and prepare for every scenario possible, but this is just completely out of our control. Um, so we're, we're all kind of first year coaches with this situation. So we're all learning. And, you know, I've talked to a lot of coaches just to kind of see what they're doing, but more than just me, it's these kids, you know, it's just heartbreaking um, what these kids are going through right now and the experiences that they're missing out on. You know, there's nothing better than your senior year of football, especially those guys. And, 
you know, having to do things that the way, you know, with e-learning and, and no homecoming game and just the excitement of the school year and all that work that they've put in just, you know, building up to this year has just been on pause. So it, it's just been heartbreaking to see them go through that. And there's, there's a lot of times just laying in bed where I, I'm thinking about them and, you know, am I not doing enough? Am I, you know, burning them out on the virtual stuff? It's just been it's it's been a really difficult thing and you know it's just like i said just my hearts go out to those kids and the families and hopefully we get a chance in the spring i, I think that's what we're all praying for and you know with these vaccines coming out i think hopefully we're we're seeing more positive news and we're on the upswing of things and and we can get this this football season in and in, in some fashion we will definitely be cheering for the york dukes to have a season and to be doing well uh mike would you just talk briefly the challenges of being a head football coach as well as maybe the rewards of being a head football coach? Yeah, in terms of challenges, I think the biggest thing is just the number of hats that you have to wear as a, as a head football coach. I have six levels of football. So I have varsity, JV, sophomore, freshman, a freshman B. So there's, there's a lot of kids involved in the program. We have 170 kids. We have a large coaching staff. So there's just a lot of moving parts and, and you're responsible for their athletic development, you know, as in the weight room, as a football player, you're focused on their character development, their academic progress. There's just so many different things. And then on top of that, you, you got to make sure the equipment stuff, the recruiting, you know, you're building relationships with the feeder programs. I mean, I could just go on and on with little things that a lot of people don't even think about. And you can be as organized as you want, but something always unexpected comes up. So you always got to, you know, be on your toes and, you know, try and manage those things. Organization obviously helps to get you, um, you know, in the best way possible. But again, those things come up and there's times where you're going out to practice and you're just you're drained from all the other stuff and the football part's the best part, you know, and sometimes that's kind of the last thing you get to as a head coach sometimes. So I think that's the biggest challenge. And then just getting everybody aligned and pushing in the same direction, all the stakeholders, um, coaches, kids, parents, you know, that's a constant thing of, of just trying to align your program to the vision and the processes that you're, you're trying to implement. Mike, we brought you on to talk about the Jacksonville Jaguars. All of our listeners need to give a collective thank you for having to watch a team that has only won one game this season and being able to look at some of the film and, and being able to break that down. So, so collectively, uh, the Bear Down Report crew, we're all saying thank you for, for doing this. I want to hop into a, a question, not necessarily on our list, but, but I think this is a question you're, you're well suited to answer. Do you believe that within the locker room, there is any chance that the Jacksonville Jaguars are actively trying to lose on purpose so that they could lock up that top spot and bring in Clemson quarterback, Trevor Lawrence. No, I find that hard to believe. I mean, we're, we're talking about NFL professional athletes, the best of the best, the best competitors out there. Um, I think if you went into a locker room and told those guys, Hey, we just want to keep this respectable, but at the end of the day, want to lose. I, I mean, I think they would walk out on you. So I don't think any NFL player approaches it that way. Um, there might be some people back in the front office. I mean, I would hate to think that they would even think that way, but you know, I, I think from a player standpoint, a coach's standpoint, just competitive people that are 
elite at the, what they do, I, I don't think there's any chance that they would, you know, purposely flop to, to lose a game for sure. Let's switch gears just briefly because you are the offensive guy that you are and we're watching the Chicago bears have a, a sudden, I, I want to say resurgence, but they were never good to begin with. So I don't know what the, what the right term is, but it seems though once Bill Lazor has taken over uh, and kind of changed up this, the offensive approach a little bit, seems like they're, they're doing pretty well over the last four games. I'm going to throw a few stats at all of you guys. Uh, Mitchell Trubisky over the last four games, 978 yards passing eight touchdowns to just three interceptions. David Montgomery over the last four games, 434 yards rushing, five touchdowns, incredible. And Allen Robinson, who has been stellar all season long over the last four games, 355 yards and three touchdowns. Mike, have you had a chance to watch to kind of see what's changed? What, what, what has shifted with the Chicago Bears offense? Yeah, you know, a few things that have stuck out to me and – you know, I don't want to be the armchair quarterback because, you know, I hate that in my position where people are telling me what I should do and shouldn't do and everybody's got the answers. But just some of the things from my observations that I've seen is I feel like they've simplified the offense and they've done a great job of marrying the run and pass together. And specifically, even in that, that Minnesota game, I feel like they were 100% with the zone run game and they weren't doing any type of the gap scheme with pullers or anything like that. And the benefits to the zone run game you know, I'm going to kind of dive into that if you don't mind is, is number one, you can block any front, you know, so whatever the defense throws at you, you don't have to be too concerned about what it is. You can really focus on yourself. And they played Houston and Detroit who had two coaching changes. So you don't really know if their identity is going to change, if they're going to roll something out there different. So the zone running game helps out with that because you don't have to worry about that. Hey, we're, we're blocking our zone. We're blocking our area you know, these are the combos that we're going to do regardless of, of what they're in. So I, I think that's an advantage. I think another thing about the zone is, is you play the next best offensive lineman. So we've seen the Bears shuffle guys in and out based off of injuries. And with the whole COVID situation, and I've seen a lot of teams in NFL, I think really lean on the zone scheme because you could practice all week and a guy gets quarantined on a Friday, you got to go and, and shuffle guys around. Well, with the zone scheme, you know, you can put your six best linemen in. And that's not always the case. If your right guard gets hurt and you have a complicated run scheme, you might have to put your next right guard in, even though he might be your eighth best lineman. And you want to get your best guys on the field. So the zone game allows you to do that. I think that's, you know, very important with this whole COVID thing. I also think, like I said, how they've married up the run and pass. When you do zone run game, you can do nakeds off of it, which obviously caters to, to Mitchell Trubisky's skill set of getting them out of the pocket, um, cleaning up the reads for them. You can do some hard play action stuff where you can max protect to make sure that, you know, that, that O-line who's been struggling, you're getting them help and you got a two-man route concept, you know. So they've, they've done that a lot with Allen Robinson and Darnell Mooney where, you know, Robinson clears the top and then Mooney runs that deep over route and it, it's a simple one-two read. And then you can tie in the RPOs off the zone scheme very easily and, you know, get the best of both worlds. So if the defense is, is playing the box heavy, you know, you can spit it out on a screen. You can do a post-snap RPO where if a linebacker's filling hard, you throw a slant behind him. So that's another advantage of the zone thing. You can, you can attack 
inside and outside, you know, the adjustments are kind of built into the zone scheme itself. So for instance, if you're trying to, you know, reach a one technique and he's kind of anchoring down on the interior, he's going to be pretty easy to reach and you're going to have some, some success on the wide zone. If a guy is going to flow with the defense, now you come back with the inside zone and you cut behind him. So the answers are kind of built in and the guys can get really good at it because you just got one scheme and you can really perfect it. You're always staying ahead of the chains with positive plays. You're, you're not pulling guys and getting run-throughs. So that's a huge thing. And, and I think they've had a lot of success of staying out of third and long when they've been having this success. And, and then you can just dress it up. I mean, the zone, you can run with four wide receivers or three tight ends. It's the same play for the line, and you can just make it look a lot different. And the Bears have done a good job with that, with you know the condensed bunch sets. A lot of the jet motions, the fake jets, all of those things shifting, um, which, you know, makes it hard for a defense just to get lined up and, and can get them a little more vanilla. So I think that's some really good stuff. And, you know, me being a Broncos fan, we had a hard time winning the big one. And what really got us over the top is when Shanahan hired Alex Gibbs. And if you've never seen an Alex Gibbs video, you got to YouTube it. The guy is He's unbelievably smart and it's very entertaining to watch. But once we went to the zone scheme and simplified it and play action, you know, with Elway, we started winning some Super Bowls and, and getting some things done. And, and you look at some of the teams in the league that have some success recently with the 49ers, the Rams. Um, I really think it's a it's a good direction they're going in and hopefully they they stick with it. Um, so I think that's been a big part of it. It's It's kind of a long winded answer. And then I think they've adjusted to the personnel that they have. They're getting the right guys, the right touches. And, you know, me being a D3 guy, there's a guy, Larry Karras, who's a Hall of Fame retired coach at Mount Union, who's won so many national championships. But he talks about a thing called players formations and then plays. You always start with the players and how to get those guys touches and then work down from there. And I think that's what they've done, too, the last few weeks is they're making sure Monty's involved, Robinson's involved. Moody and even getting Komet on the field and, and doing what Trubisky does well. So I think that's where the success has come from. It would appear that the inside combination guard center guard of Alex Bars, uh, Sam Mustafer, and Cody Whitehair have really benefited from this. Now, Fitz, it seems to me as, as someone who, who never played the game at your level in any way, that the simplicity of this is, why didn't they go to this much, much sooner? And, and, and why aren't more teams running this? It is my understanding that the 49ers and the Rams are running something somewhat similar to that. Is, is that, is that accurate? Yeah, no, I think there's a lot of NFL teams that really dive into the zone game and, and really major in it. And they'll sprinkle in some of that other stuff. You know, I think as coaches, it's just, it, it's a lot easier when you watch it. It's, it's a lot harder when you're in the thick of things and trying to find the right combination, what works for your team. And, um, you know, sometimes we outthink ourselves sometimes too. So you learn from mistakes and things that you do. And I think great coaches are constantly evaluating themselves. And I, you know, I think that's probably what, why they came across this and, and hopefully they, they stick with it because they're having some success with it. As a fan, it has been significantly more fun to watch. That's for sure. Now, out thinking, you just made me think about something, and, and if you don't have an answer for it, that's totally fine, but Mike Zimmer decides to go for it last week against the Chicago Bears on fourth and short inside his own 40 twice in the game. 
what goes through a coach's mind when you're that close to your own end zone and you're deciding fourth down, got to have it. Like, could you maybe kind of walk us through that just a little bit, that mindset? Well, I think at that level, I mean, they have everybody's diving into the analytic piece. So there's somebody in his ear too telling him, you know, if you go for it, here's the win percentage, you know, that we do, or, you know, this is the situation. Um, and somebody's constantly monitoring that based off of, of what they've seen throughout the games that they've scouted and then also the flow of that game. So it's definitely a, a calculated decision and um, mixed in with, you know, some instinct that they have. You know, I actually thought the, the, the one towards the end of the game wasn't a, a bad idea because they had a chance to get it and they still got the ball back. Um, and obviously looking at the timeouts and, and the time you have in the game, that type of thing. So those are all kinds of things that go into the decision. And a lot of those things are talked about before that game is even played, you know, because it is going to be spur of the moment and you got to make that decision pretty quick. So let me ask you then, your team is down by a touchdown with two minutes left to go. It's fourth down. You're inside your own 40 do you have a play in the back of your mind just going, this is here just in case, or, or is it you've thought about this throughout the entire process of, of your weekly preparation? Well, I think it's both. I think your weekly preparation, you have that play of, okay, here's fourth and one. We need to get one yard. This is what we like. And then I think as that game goes on and you see how the game is played out and, and what they're doing in that fourth and one situation, what's working well for you, um, and you think that maybe something else has opened up because of it, I think can come into play as that game goes on. So I think it's a little bit of both pre-planning and then just kind of the flow of the game as well. All right, let's totally change gears here. We brought you in to talk about the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Bears are going down to play on Sunday. It seems from an outsider perspective that aside from the former Illinois State running back James Robinson, who's just been stellar uh 240 carries 1070 yards and seven touchdowns is there anything else that the jacksonville jaguars do well yeah you know i think they're a team that is a run first run heavy team i think that's what they want to be um and when they fall behind they're having a really hard time with you know catching up because i think they lack some vertical threats um you know on the perimeter wise that are that are going to open up some big plays and they're having a hard time finishing in the red zone and they've kind of juggled quarterbacks. They've played, you know, Minshew, Glennon, and then there, there was a third guy, uh, Lawton, I think, or Lutton. Jake um, Lutton. Yeah, Jake Lutton. So they, they played three different guys and what, you know, when Glennon's in there, it's more of a three tight end shift in motion, ground and pound play action. When Minshew comes in, it's a little more spread it out, um, get the ball out of his hand quick a lot more spread runs. And then um, only saw the other guy one time. Um, but yeah, I think they're a run heavy team that they, they want to establish the run, get in the lead, play good defense and kind of play that field position battle. But they've just fallen behind where once they have to throw, it can get ugly. And the other thing I noticed is they, is they self-implode sometimes all drives and a lot of penalties um, that put them behind the chains. And again, when you're a run heavy team and now you're facing long yardage situations, it really hasn't fit their skill set. It seems, though, that they've played some pretty tough games, meaning that they've been competitive against some far superior teams, 
would you kind of maybe talk a little bit about that? Yeah, no, they're, they're a physical team. I mean, and again, going back to the NFL and how elite these guys are, I mean, there really isn't a huge margin from, you know, the worst team in the league, you know, to the, to the best team. I mean, you look at what the Bengals did to the Steelers, you know, the other night. So, and you got the Jets, uh, I think that was this week, right? You know, another team. So, again, we're talking about the best of the best. And, you know, on any given day, a team can beat another team. And I think that's the important thing for the Bears is, you know, don't underestimate them. And it, I always say as a coach, like your toughest opponent is yourself. And I think that's got to be kind of their mantra is just, you know, let's, let's focus on what we do and execute it at a high level. And I think if they get up on them, like I said, I think, I think they can have the game in hand. Is there a matchup for this game that you're really kind of be clued into uh, that, that you're really watching for this particular game? Honestly, in terms of matchups, you know, I'm not specifically looking at that. I want to see more of, like I said, with the Bears, you know, can they stick with what they're doing and not get bored with it, you know, and just stick to the success that they're having? I think that's a huge thing more than just looking at personnel matchups, just kind of staying and doing what they've had success with. And then also, do they have some counters? Because now teams have some film of them and kind of this direction their offense is going. And if they get stopped with it, you know, what's, what's their plan from there? So that's kind of the stuff that I'm looking for more than just like personnel matchup and, you know, this guy versus that guy. That answers your question. Absolutely, it does. I, I think you just kind of hit the nail on the head that every Bears fan has been thinking about Matt Nagy. He doesn't seem to like to run the ball, and his hand was maybe a little bit forced by Cordero Patterson going down uh, early in the game against Minnesota. One of the reasons why David Montgomery gets 32 carries, and that's, that's the most carries he's had all season long, uh, as well as last season as well. I mean, and the guy, he just runs hard. Um, is, is there a, a Bears player maybe that you are kind of watching, maybe one that isn't David Montgomery, Allen Robinson, or Mitchell Trubisky? I mean, I, I like Darnell Mooney. I think he just keeps getting better and better. I, I think he, he catches the ball well. He's got great speed. They're starting to get him out in space and, and stretching him vertically. And you can just see the way he tracks the ball, too, with his eyes. I, I think he's, he's a pretty talented player. So, you know, I'd, I'd like to see him to continue to get more involved. I think he, he's a fun player to watch. And you know, Montgomery, he's a lot of fun, man. He's a house. He's, he's a great football player. And I think Komet, I think they're starting to get him on the field a little more and his athleticism. And again, I think with the zone run scheme too, it's easier to get those guys on the field because it's a little simpler. When you get in the complex run schemes, those tight ends, I mean, they got to know a lot. They got to know run game, pass game, pass protection. And as a rookie, you're just pulled in so many different directions. And like I said, with this COVID thing, I wonder if the parameters of meetings and, and how they do things is impacted too. So I think simplifying it helps him kind of get in the mix a little more um, so that he, he's another guy I'd like to see, you know, being more involved as well. It's funny that you say that. We actually had New England's Patriot Matt Lacoste on the podcast a few weeks ago, Matt is a, is a local guy. And he said exactly what you just said that other than quarterback tight end is, is pretty far up there in terms of all the things you have to know and be able to do. So this 
late season push that Komet is having, I think, has a lot of Bears fans really, really excited about it. Mike, I'm going to put you in a, in a, in a position. I'm going to put you in either the Bears GM position or the Bears head coach position. I'm really curious. What are the things that you would be really concentrating on this offseason? And I'm also going to throw a really difficult question at you. What are you going to do with Mitchell Trubisky? Yeah, I mean, first off, again, I'm not an expert on like the cap and cap space and all that stuff. And I know there's a lot of nuances with that where, you know, people don't understand and that impacts decisions. But, you know, I'm a big believer that, you you know, if you had the luxury to pick a team and build it how you want it, you know, I would build it inside out with your O-line and D-line and, and make sure that you're strong there. So I think that's the first thing is to evaluate where they are on the offensive line. And I know they've had a lot of different things happen. And once that evaluation, you know, really address those, those needs and concerns. Um, so that's kind of where I would start. And I think that fixes a lot of problems with the run game, pass game, and, and just creates a, a mentality and mindset too. And honestly, with, with Mitch, you know, I, for me, I, I think I would stick with him, you know, for at least another year, especially if you could get him cheap. Um, you know, I, I think he is showing great strides. The guy didn't play a lot in college and, you know, I think that's the hard thing as a quarterback in the NFL is there's so many coaching changes and there's so much, you know, different coordinators that these guys play for that they can't ever get good. And I think you look at a guy like Tom Brady, who was just in the same system for so long, you know, he was able to execute at a high level. And I think that's what it takes is, is to give those guys some time. Um, he obviously has talent. That's why he was, he was picked at that um, spot. So I, I would like them to see you know, stick with them and, you know, be all in with them and, and see what happens and, and go from there. So that, that would be my thought. Again, I'm not an expert on the NFL and don't watch every single game, but just from what I've seen and, and how I feel about, you know, the scheme and consistency, I think that would pay dividends. I wonder what it is about Chicago Bears quarterbacks with talent that just can't seem to put it all together. I know that you and I, uh, as well as Jack Wright, have talked endlessly about the, the, the guy that was here a while ago. I won't even say his name, number six. Um, it seems, though, that, that Mitch is quite the opposite. He is a leader. It seems like he does everything that's asked of him. He can't put it all together in terms of reading uh, defenses and stuff like that, but, but seems to be a high character guy and I agree with you I think a lot of Bears fans too would like to see him stick around and see if he can continue to develop it's it's a totally different game that I'm you know than maybe what you're used to seeing that you don't get a kid as a freshman and get to develop him and, and he can sit for a couple of years until he's a senior and he's ready to play I mean, Mitch was kind of thrust into that spot before he was ready any kind of thoughts on, on development of quarterbacks or what you're seeing with Mitch's development? Yeah. Like I said, I, I think, and I think I texted you too, like week one or week two. And I really liked the direction that the offense was going in. And I said, you know, they look a lot different and he was missing the throws by a little, but again, it's week one and week two. And you think if you would just stay with something consistently week in and week out, you know, he's going to get better and better in that, just that scheme. And I, I think that's for all these quarterbacks, NFL quarterbacks that go through all these coaching changes, it's just hard. You're learning new verbiage and now you got to process it and you're trying to play the position and process all this stuff. It, it's the, 
it's the toughest position out there. I mean, there's nothing like it where you have some, you know, unbelievable athletes pursuing you and you're trying to read these complex defenses and make a throw right on the money. I mean, it's, it's a very technical thing that, you know, requires a lot of leadership, courage, confidence. There, there's a lot of different things that go into that. So I think it's just reps and reps and reps. And, you know, I think he reminds me of like Ryan Tannehill. You know, Ryan Tannehill played receiver at Texas A&M, great athlete, um, was very good on the move, that type of thing, and really only played 13 games at college. And, you know, Miami kind of gave up on him. You know, I don't know if it's a contract thing or they just want to go in a different direction. But now you look at him with the Titans, who, again, is got a very good run, run scheme with play action off of it. And, and he's, he's doing some great things for the Tennessee Titans. And, and I really, you know, think Mitch could thrive in, in a system like that. And, and really see a lot of parallels with him and Tannehill. Great comparison. You got to wonder, though, does Matt Nagy want to run the ball enough to use Mitch's abilities? Because I, I, I can't find any reason why you can't stick with this type of offense, a, a run-first offense that's what your old-school Bears fans want to see, right? Uh, they they, they want to see running the ball uh, and, you know, using that. Now, Mike, I'm curious, how do you see this game, Jacksonville versus the Bears, playing out? And if you wouldn't mind, throw us a final score prediction. Yeah, like I said, I, I think if I think the Bears are, are playing, they got some good momentum and they're playing for something. And I think if they get out of the gates quick, I think Jacksonville, you know, forcing them to pass a little will struggle. So I see this game playing out like 27-13. Um, I see them getting out, getting up ahead, and then, you know, they'll, they'll probably put some drives together, the Jaguars, but I think they'll have a hard time finishing in the red zone, and we'll, we'll be able to force them to some field goals. So, you know, I'm looking at a 27-13 score. That's great. I actually picked Jacksonville to play tougher than their schedule uh, in my predictions that we put out in Bear Down Report. Uh, so I picked the Bears winning 31-24 to with a late surge by the Jacksonville Jaguars. We'll see, we'll see what happens there. Now, Mike, I know you've listened to the Bear Down Report podcast before. It is time for our absolute favorite segment, Unpopular Opinion. We have had some, some big ones before. Uh, no cheese, no mashed potatoes. Uh, our last podcast, uh, my friendship was tested with Logan Bradley when he says he thinks the Green Bay Packers are going to win the Super Bowl. So, Mike, I got to ask, what is your unpopular opinion? Yeah, so I got two things for you that's going to bring out the Colorado in me. Um, but number one, I put ketchup on my hot dog. I, like I said, I came from Colorado, and I remember I had a lot of friends from the south side of Chicago. And first time I got a hot dog with them, I put ketchup on them. And the look that they gave me, I was like, what is going on? But I am a ketchup on a hot dog guy. And I also think Italian beef is like the most overrated thing, overhyped thing out there. Now, I will eat it if I'm at a party and, you know, people are serving it, but I will never order it. You know, I, I just, I, I think it's way overhyped. I think it's a Chicago thing. And to me, it just kind of tastes dry. I, it just doesn't do anything for me. Mike, I, I, that man, that <laughs> Chicago fans are listening right now going, I like this Mike Fitzgerald. I want to see the York Dukes play football really well. And then you drop the two foods <laughs> that you're not supposed to <laughs> dislike. Uh, 
do you know why Chicagoans don't put ketchup on their hot dog or why we're not supposed to put ketchup on a hot dog? No, why don't you enlighten me? So as, as a history guy, I got to throw this one out here. It was the neighborhoods. Chicago neighborhoods had a, a market where they got together and they put all of these different foods coming from different places, uh, from Germany, from Mexico, uh, all these different immigrant communities, and they put it all together. And the Chicago style dog uh, has flavors that, that work well together. And when you put ketchup on it, it overpowers those flavors that are supposed to be there. So if you get a Chicago style dog, it's sacrilegious, no ketchup. However, if you're sitting at a, at a ball game and it's, you've got ketchup and mustard. I don't think many Chicago fans are going to go for it. The one I want to get after the, the beef. I, <laughs> where have you been eating your beef, man? I, I, I just don't, I don't get it. Oh man. Portillo's, Buena beef. I mean, my five-year-old loves it. So my father-in-law, he's, you know, diehard Chicago guy and he's got my kids eating it. And now my, my five-year-old orders it all the time. And you know, I, I still taste it and try it, see if my mind will change, but I, I just don't get it. Well, hey, Mike, we want to say thank you so much for being a part of the Bear Down Report podcast. Again, I want to wish you and the York Dukes uh, just the best season possible. I hope that you guys are playing spring ball, and I hope that it goes well. Mike, would you be willing to come back and uh, be, a, be a guest again for uh, the Bear Down Report podcast? Yeah, for sure. Anytime to talk to you, Ryan, is always a good time. Awesome. Uh, folks, we've got some things coming up. Uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Bears are playing in Jacksonville on Sunday. We've got a couple other big guests that we're looking forward to. Uh, we're going to be talking with Ross Kotzma uh, about the Green Bay Packers, as well as our good friend Mike Jelinek, who uh, was coaching at the Naval Academy for a bit of time. We're going to be talking offensive line with Mike Jelinek. We're really looking forward to that. J.J. Stankovitz, NBC Chicago, is going to be talking the Bears with us. And, man... It's a holiday season. Mike, are big, big plans. Are you going anywhere? You got anything going on? Are you, you like most people, we're staying at home and, and uh, keeping it safe? Yeah, I got, I got a five-year-old, a two-year-old, and a 10-week-old. So uh, the, the holiday spirit is alive and well here. And, you know, even if we wanted to go or could go, we're probably not going too far. Man, I, I, just, just really quick, how, how do you function with – the three little ones in the middle of season. I just, I can't, I, I don't know. No, how it's, you my do that. it's my wife. She's a saint. So she's, you know, I'm lucky to have her. Otherwise the whole operation would fail. <laughs> Absolutely. Folks, as always, thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing all of our content at the bear down report. We are your one-stop shop. You want film analysis? We've got that. If you want to read some stuff that we've got about predictions or anything else, we've got that as well. We've got a podcast. We've got everything. Please continue to share whatever we've got. We appreciate all that you guys do for us. And as always, my friends, bear down. Bear down report.